Welcome to TTM Cast One on One with Jeff Baker. Every Wednesday, we'll bring one on one interviews with hobby professionals, former athletes, authors, and collectors. Sponsored by Certified Sports Guarantee. Go to csgcards.com for sports card grading for the win. And by sportscollectorsdaily.com. If it happens in the hobby, you'll find it on sportscollectorsdaily.com. Here's our host, Jeff Baker, with this week's interview. Hello, everybody, and welcome to TTM Cast One on One, where we talk to athletes, former athletes. We talk to hobby professionals. We talk to collectors. We talk to authors. We talk to anyone and anywhere, everyone, right, Drew? Yeah, just whoever comes up, we'll we'll, we'll have you on the show. <laughs> it is February 15th. It's a Wednesday. My name is Jeff Baker. I'm the host of your program. I am talking to you from Boston, Massachusetts, and I'm joined by my friend and co-host from Dallas, Texas, Drew Pelto. Hey, Drew. Hey, good to be here, as always. Drew, you know what I saw? You, got a, you put up a new video. Was yesterday? Uh, yeah, I put up a new one yesterday there that covers my stuff from last week there, which wasn't much, but it's better than the zero I had the week before that. Guys, follow Drew, DFW Graffer, on YouTube, on Twitter, on Instagram, everywhere, social media. Make sure you follow him. Check out his videos. They're really cool. He posts all his TTM successes. Also, make sure you check out my article, my weekly articles on TTM and autograph collecting on sportscollectorsdaily.com. I just posted yesterday, so make sure you check that out. We'll have a new article every week, except next week. No article next week, right, Drew? Right. We're traveling. We're traveling. We'll talk about that a little later. We have a fun uh, show for you this week. Quick show. We have Roger Mason, who played 10 years in the major leagues. He's a pitcher for seven different teams, including the San Francisco Giants, the Pittsburgh Pirates, and the Phillies, the Mets, and Detroit Tigers, and the Houston Astros. I think that was his last team, and uh, he's a great signer through the mail. We talked to Roger about his career and also about signing autographs, so that is coming up. Uh, Drew, anything else we got to talk about before we, we, we go into our, our lead off? No, nah, let's go ahead and jump right on into that. Okay. Batting lead off. Do the batting lead off for the echo. Batting lead off. <laughs> you the man. You the man. <laughs> Guys, batting lead off coming up. Let's get the show started. Leading off, we look at hobby happenings. Smart collectors turn to Sports Collectors Daily to stay up to date. From new releases to incredible collections hitting the auction block, news from inside the business of sports collectibles, and much more, Sports Collectors Daily has it, all with no subscription cost. SC Daily also delivers a live look at the most watched sports card auctions on eBay for every sport. Sign up to get the headlines in your email for free or just visit the website whenever you like. With 16,000 stories in the archive going back 16 years, there is always plenty to read at sportscollectorsdaily.com. Well, you know what? It was Sunday with Super Bowl Sunday. Uh, Drew, hopefully, did you get to watch out the, get the whole game? I did, yeah. I mean, my wife and I even filled out some of those uh, prop bed sheets. It had like, I think it had 67 different questions on it. And so we did uh, did some bets and stuff with that. Did you hit the purple Gatorade? I did not. We both had orange for it. <laughs> well, I let you know what? Let's, we'll, we'll talk about the commercials first, because that's, that's what my son loves. My son loves the commercials. And, um, I think the best commercial was the the popcorn chippers with the Breaking Bad. I don't know if you saw that. That was a that was a very entertaining commercial. 
Um, other than that, they were kind of wishy-washy. I don't know, you know, John Travolta was in one, and that one where it looked like that that you're watching the show, and then the the uh, the Super Bowl, and then the then the uh, the clicker took over, and they were showing other stuff. I don't know if you saw that one. And oh um, yeah, because yeah, with that one, my wife looks over me with this dude, what the hell look on her face? <laughs> I'm like. I didn't do it. That's all oh, commercial. Okay. Cause I mean, neither of us watches Tubi, So it's like, we had to know that. Okay. That's that. Okay. That's yeah. We didn't do anything. The one that I didn't get was the light beer and the cores light and they were going at each other, but it was mm-hmm. a, a commercial for blue moon. I just did yeah. not understand that one. Yeah. It's I mean, yeah, there's nothing really stood out to me massively this year. And that seems to be the way it's gone for a little while now. I mean, Going back to, I mean, over just like the last 15, 20 years or so, we had some really great ones that just like fell off badly for a couple of years. You had a couple of really good ones a couple of years ago. And then, yeah, this year was kind of not really very memorable overall. How about the one with Maya Rudolph and, and the M&Ms? Maya Rudolph's going to be the spokesman for M&Ms. It was like, mm-hmm. what, a couple of weeks? They, they really promoted that and Maya Rudolph and all this other stuff. And then at the Super Bowl, they say, okay, Maya, you're gone. And we're going back to the, the cartoon M&M guys. I, I just... I don't understand the whole that whole campaign. You, you're a marketing guy. Do you, does that make any sense to you? I think, and everyone figured that was what it was going to be was it was just a big publicity stunt. That it's like, all right, it's the same thing as the Mr. Peanut thing a couple of years ago, where yeah, when they killed you know, they the, the funeral for Mr. Peanut and all that, and then oh, hey, there he is again. It's like, it's it's been done and it's already old. So yeah, I agree. I don't know. I don't see the effectiveness. It was all kind of weird and enforced, don't you think? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Well, you know what? Let let's talk about that halftime show. Uh, what do you? What's your opinion? I thought. I mean, okay, I was expecting a lot out of Rihanna because I mean she's Rihanna and everything, and it didn't really live up to the hype. But she's six months pregnant right now, so to go out there and put on any kind of a show while six months pregnant, she gets my thumbs up for that. I mean, that's that's pretty awesome right there. So it was underwhelming, but there was a damn good reason for it being so. So I got to give her thumbs up for it. I mean, visually, it was pretty good, right? Yeah. But it was obvious that she was lip syncing. There was no, there was no band on the stage. There was no backup yeah. singers. And I don't know really necessarily that it was. Tot- I don't know that it was necessarily totally lip sync because there was a couple spots where, like, she took the mic down and there were still vocals there, but it was not as strong of vocals. So I think she definitely had a backing track helping boost stuff a bit, but she was singing along with it as well, I believe. Yeah, That's I don't know. I, I- I don't, I'm not a big Rihanna fan. I, honestly, I think she can, she can, uh, you know, those, those, like I can name those tunes in 10 or 10 notes or less or whatever. Mm-hmm. Well, Rihanna is, I can name Rihanna's total playlist in 10 words or less because <laughs> she only has one sentence in every, every one of her, her songs. And they all kind of sound the same, but, uh, yeah. but am I sounding like a grumpy old man? It's, I could say that about like 99% of pop music lately. So I, <laughs> I can't argue much against you there. So uh, it, it is what it is. And uh, I don't know. I think the, the pregame, so I watched a little of the pregame stuff. I like Michael Strahan. Um, I think Terry's kind of lost it a little. And I, I don't know. It's the, it was, okay, it was okay. You know, the, mm-hmm. I, I like Aaron Andrews, but I don't know. It was, it was an okay performance. And I think um, Greg Olson was pretty good. I like Greg Olson as a, yeah. as a color guy. I thought he did a good job. Yeah. I mean, overall, I didn't see much of the pregame stuff, but Overall, I mean, the broadcast crew is decent. I can't complain much about any of them. It's it's better than Joe Buck and Troy Aikman every single freaking year out there. So that's, you know, it gives a little variety. So I like that. But yeah, nothing, again, it was just kind of, I mean, in the stuff around the game, nothing really stood out to me much. Yeah, it was kind of very vanilla, huh? Yeah, yeah. 
How about um, gambling wise? Did you hit anything? You hit any squares? Did you have any 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 bets? Did you have any bets on any game? No, I had uh, had the squares through that East Coast uh, collector's service or whatever it was. I missed on that. I had it was a nine zero, which is not bad, but not great either. And yeah, there was no nine or zero anywhere in any of those payoffs at all. But uh, like I said, my wife and I did this prop bet sheet here to fill out, and so it had ten different sections on it. And so what we did was whoever hits the most sections. Whoever wins the most sections gets something, and then whoever hits, whoever wins overall gets something. And so uh, the way it works is whoever wins the most sections, the loser has to do dishes for a week. Okay. So you do dishes? I am doing dishes, yes. <laughs> but whoever hits the most items overall on it, we just spend a day doing whatever that person wants. And I end up winning that one. So I'm not sure what's going to be yet. I know it's going to involve Vietnamese food and sushi both at some point, but don't know what aside from that yet. Nice. And the game, uh, you know, was it a, a holding call at the end? I don't think so. It was kind of ticky-tack, don't you think? That gets called constantly, though. And, I mean, even the defensive back admitted after the game, yeah, I held him. They should have called it. They called it. You know, they did the right thing. So, yeah, I'm not going to argue much against that. And, I mean, fine. You want to argue against that? Then, okay, then that second fumble return for a touchdown, that could have very easily have been a fumble as well. So, I mean, you've had – bad reversals or bad calls either way or questionable borderline, wherever you want to call them go either way in that. And besides, if you don't want to lose, get out ahead and hold a 10 point lead when you have it Eagles. So uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, I they, they gave up 14 say. points pretty easy with that punt return. Yeah. And it was that they, uh, the Eagles, I don't know what happened. They came out and they were flat and I'm not quite, quite sure why. Well, it's the second Super Bowl now where Patrick Mahomes has faced a double digit deficit in the second half and come back to win it. Would you have given him the MVP? Yes, just because, I mean, number one, he had a great second half performance. Number two, that run at the end that kind of helped clinch it, that just kind of clinched in my mind. It's like, yep, he's getting MVP now off doing that off a bad ankle and everything. The only one I could really ever consider giving it to besides him was, you know, the guy who scooped up the fumble for the uh, uh, defensive touchdown there, uh, the defensive back, whatever his name was, Bolton or whatever it was, Nick yeah. Bolton. How about Hertz? Would you get, how about Hertz? No, he was kind of underwhelming to me. I mean, he had one, he had the touchdown catch, but the over under on his pass catches was set at six and a half and he was under that. And it's like, no, no, I'm game. talking about oh, Jalen Hurts. Oh, geez. What am I thinking? No, I was thinking of, uh, Kelsey. Wow. Yeah. I was thinking of Travis Kelsey there for some reason. Um, I think that honestly, Jalen Hurts was the best player on the field for most of the game, but that fumble takes away from him and the voters have been reluctant to hand it to a player on the losing team. So I, yeah, I wouldn't be able to give it to him, but if they had a, if it was player of the game, he would get it is his most valuable player i don't see how you can really give it to a losing player very easily yeah you, the only thing is is it's a shame that the refs called that holding penalty and they didn't give us you know we could have had a great ending you know what i mean because kansas yeah. city was going to kick the field goal one way or the other right so right. if they kicked the field goal with a minute 40 left it would have been interesting to see if hurts and, and philadelphia could have uh, driven down to win the game yeah yeah it would have but that's As a goes, neutral I observer, because I didn't really yeah. have a, I didn't have a, 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 a pony in the in the race. You know what I mean? Uh, right. I actually, I had, um, I won my fantasy football playoff pool, so I was very oh, happy good. about that. I, I had, I needed a lot of points. I needed like forty something points or fifty points going in, and but I had all the guys from Philly and Kansas City, so I actually had it won. Basically, I was, I need like three points at the end of the first half. So I was like, okay, I'm, I could, I could actually enjoy the, the game and, and uh, watch it. But all in all, I think it was an entertaining Super Bowl. Um, you know, a lot of points scored, which is always good, especially when we have all these squares and all, the, all these things riding on it. But um, all in all, not bad. 
So uh, Panini's got a, a Super Bowl set coming up. Yeah, 36 card set commemorating the Chiefs win. Uh, $30 only price tag on it, so not bad at all. So if you're a Chiefs fan, if you're a Mahomes collector, go out and grab that. I mean, that's a real nice price and has a special Mahomes MVP card in there as well. So sounds like some really cool offerings right there. Are you a collector of those? Do you buy these those at all? I haven't at all. Now, if the if the Browns somehow win a Super Bowl ever, yeah, right. But if they ever do, I will definitely pick up one of those. Yeah, I've got a couple. I I get, I really wait because they they go down. I think I've picked them up for like five dollars. A couple of the Patriots ones and the Red Sox ones. I I will pick those up, but I wait till the prices they really drop. Yeah. So uh, they had they had a big Super Bowl auction uh, in Phoenix for a bunch of stuff the NFL put on. There were over 600 items. Uh, the highest item that sold was a Joe Burrow game used jersey that he wore when he played played against the Jets. He threw for three touchdowns. That sold for over uh, ninety six thousand three hundred fifty dollars, which is pretty good. I, you know, that's a, it's a lot of money, obviously, but the way the price of um, memorabilia is, it, it might be a bargain. You know. It could, but just, I mean, it's a three touch. Was there anything special about that game other than that he threw for three touchdowns? Cause no, cause everyone yeah, throws for three touchdowns against the Jets, right? Yeah, that's not really that. I mean, that seems like an awfully high price tag for something like that. So, I mean, well, you're, hey, betting, hopefully you're guy, betting that this guy's going to be an MVP in the next couple of years, right? And they're going to win. Yeah, but even then, and... I mean, it's it's not from a season where he won an MVP. It's not from a season where he won a Super Bowl or anything like that. It's just, it's an ordinary game jersey, which, man, I don't know, nearly hitting six figures for that. That seems awfully high to me. It's a lot of money, but there's a lot of money out there, right? There's a lot of money out there for this stuff. Well, you know what? It's national holiday today. We we should have a song for this. You guys, you guys should write a song. Your band, uh, Beethoven's Bastards. You guys should write a song for for the national holiday releasing of top tops one. There's got to be a song in there somewhere. I would think, yeah, there's got to be something we can come up with there. But yeah. Well, Tops 1 came out today, Series 1. Uh, blaster boxes are going for $24.99. They're available. I saw Target had pre-sale so you could have pur- purchased some pre-sale and uh, i'm sure fanatics and, and tops and everyone else will have them you know i don't think i don't think there'll be any shortage of series one out there do you uh no not at all i saw actually some numbers on it and it's the print run i think is a little bit less this year than it was last year but it's still a lot higher than it was you know five ten years ago yep and hobby boxes are going for about 80 89 uh i'm going to try to pick one up later today and uh hopefully i can open open a box before i travel on thursday that's that that's the plan so series one is out guys it'll anywhere cards are sold you will not have trouble finding that hey we have even some places where we had doug wedge on last week he was uh wrote a book pinnacle on the mound it's a great book so i have a copy of his book to to give away and uh we had a bunch of people that entered and drew why don't you give it the drum roll and you can announce the winner Winner is Bill Helig of Center Valley, Pennsylvania. Bill, congratulations. Thanks for entering. As I said, we had a lot of people enter to win. We've had a lot of raffles lately, and uh, it's great. They'll give away a, a great copy of the book. If you haven't gotten the book, check it out. It's available on Amazon. It's called Pinnacles on the Mound. It's basically Cy Young winners. He talks to all the, a lot of former Cy Young winners, tend to be exact. And uh, it's a really fun book to read, so make sure you check that out. Doug Wedge, Pinnacle on the Mound. Drew, this one I really, I really love because it, the ticket stubs have been really uh, getting a lot of momentum lately, right? In the last year or two, it's getting a lot of momentum. And uh, Beckett is now accepting tickets for authentication 
button and rating. Yes. Authentication. Authentication. I can do it. Authentication. <laughs> so Beckett, go to BeckettCards.com, right? It's BeckettCards.com? I think it's Beckett.com. Beckett.com. Beckett.com is accepting tickets for authentication and grading. And I think their pricing is similar to what the they are for autograph and card grading, right? Yeah, I saw something like, I think it's $25 for a ticket at their very basic service. If it's an autograph ticket, I think it's like a $40 minimum. That's, yeah, kind of about the same as what it is for cards. Yeah, it's great. I mean, I love ticket stubs and, uh, you know, ticket stubs have kind of go by the wayside a little bit. You know, I think, you know, if you go to a game, you can still go to the box office and, and get a copy, copy of the ticket stub, I believe, in most in most stadiums, right? I think, yeah, most of them you can do that. At least I would hope you still can, because if not, I mean, that's that's a that's a definite of an error right there if you can't do it anymore. No, I know. So that's kind of cool. I have, a, I have like two boxes of, of ticket stubs from when I was a kid all the way to present day. So one of these days I should send in a couple to get authenticated. I don't think I have any any. Uh, historic games or anything but it's still it's still kind of cool well we have some grading numbers for last week from our friends at gem rate we do indeed uh psa of course you know they had that bonanza of a week last week down a little bit this week Two hundred and forty thousand cards though still getting slabbed by them down 19 percent, but still pretty a uh, busy week for them csg back up again after a little bit of time uh, a little bit of a slow time right there Thirty thousand cards great by them that's 29 percent increase Saw a 21% increase from SGC. They did 24,900 cards this past week. And Beckett getting back on track. Now the weather has finally cleared out of the uh, Dallas area here. 58% increase for them. 18,000 cards they had go through their offices. So what is that looking that way? 270 and 30 is 300. So about 320,000 cards graded last week. Yeah, around there. It's pretty good. That's pretty good math for a guy that they, they can usually add two and two. So <laughs> good job. Thank you, Jim Rate, for the, the statistics. We really appreciate it. Uh, guys, we have a, a really good interview, fun interview with Roger Mason. Roger Mason played 10 seasons in the major leagues. He came up in 1984 with the Detroit Tigers, so he won a World Series with the Tigers. He was a September call-up, actually. He played with the Pirates and the Phillies and the Giants. He played was a teammate of uh, Bonds. He was uh, played on a couple. He played in the 93 World Series against the Blue Jays. So we talked to Roger about his career, about playing in the playoffs in the World Series. We talked to him about signing autographs. He's a great TTMer. Uh, so please in- enjoy my interview with Roger Mason, former Major League pitcher. But first, here's a message from our friends at CSG. This week's interview is brought to you by Certified Sports Guarantee, CSGcards.com for superior sports card certification and grading. CSG has new lower prices for 2023. That's right. CSG has new lower prices on its most popular tiers, while continuing to offer top-of-the-line service and the best slabs in the industry. With CSG's expertise, slabs, and pricing collectors will love, now is the time to submit your sports cards. See the CSG difference and submit your cards today. Go to csgcards.com to submit your cards for quick turnaround times and the best prices in the hobby. Save $10 off a yearly membership to CSG with code TTMCAST. Get your favorite cards into the industry's best holder for even less. Save $10 off your membership with code TTMCAST at CSGCards.com. Joining the show is former Major League pitcher Roger Mason. Roger played 10 years in the majors with seven teams, including the Tigers, Giants, Astros, Pirates, Padres, Phillies, and Mets. 
He uh, pitched in the 1993 World Series. He was a member of the 1984 World Champion Detroit Tigers, his first team. And uh, we're going to talk to Roger about his career and about signing autographs. So welcome, Roger. Welcome to the program. Thank you, Jeff. Good to be here. Roger, one of the things that, you know, I was learning a little about your career, and I, I forget who, who said it, but someone called you a survivor. And I thought that was a great, <laughs> I, I thought that was a uh, a compliment. You know what I mean? I think that, I thought it was a compliment to you that, that you, you, you know, you were on, you said so many teams that wanted you, you got traded four, three times and you were, you were kind of bouncing around, but you always seemed to land on your feet. Uh, did, did you get that sense when, when you look back at your career? Yeah. You know, um, I, I'm one of those guys that probably should have never been there in the first place. No, don't say that. <laughs> oh, no. I mean, I, you know, it's not really being modest or anything, but, you know, I went to college on a football scholarship. Um, and the college that I went to, even though I wanted to be a baseball player, um, didn't even have a baseball team. So, you know, after I was there for a couple of years, we went to the AD and ended up getting a baseball team there. Um, they, you know, they said, you know, go ahead. So the first year of the club sport, second year is a varsity sport. And so, you know, when you're ending your college career and you're playing baseball at a college that just started their team, you don't really have scouts all over the place. Yep. So I actually end up signing at a tryout camp up here in Traverse City. So that was my first foray into professional baseball. What, what was your forte as a pitcher? Were you, were you a location guy? Were you Did you have a... a... A uh, live fastball. I, you know what? I, I remember you, but I was more of an uh, American League guy. So I, I, you know, I just remember you. You know, I remember you pitching in the World Series. Or I remember seeing you on Game of the Week every once in a while because it was a different time. But I, you know, I, I didn't. I don't have a handle of what 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 type of pitcher you were. Um, mostly more control. Um, you know, I threw in the low nineties. Um, I got up to. 95 before my elbow surgery but um you know my best pitch was my slider so I, I was pretty good I could locate my slider pretty good did you prefer starting or relieving uh well when I first got into you know into playing I was a starter and then after I had elbow surgery and then I was trying to get um you know hooked on with somebody I ended up with the pirates and you know, I was in, in triple you know, getting, getting healthy again and ended up in the, in the bullpen. Yeah. And you, you saved, you saved a bunch of games too. So you, you know, you were, you were a closer as well as a reliever. Did, did was it uh, diff, more difficult to be a closer? Well, you know, I didn't really close that much. I mean, I had a, had a few saves, but mostly I was, you know, I was, I pitched in the first inning, and I pitched in the ninth inning. So <laughs> I was just anywhere in between. Come, coming up from the Tigers, you got called up in September. And that was a, a, that was a great team, that Tiger team of 84. Um, was there, did you get, did you get to any pressure pack games in September? Um, <clears throat> I mean, not really. <laughs> there weren't <laughs> any pressure pack games when we were there. Uh, Toronto was, you know, was <clears throat> a little bit on our heels, but I had, um, I had a start, you know, a couple of relief appearances. My last, the, I pitched in the last game of the year in Yankee Stadium and got a save. Um, so, and, well, I take that back, I guess. My, I, one of the starts I had, um, we actually could have clinched it 
the night that I pitched. Okay. Uh, we won, but Boston had to beat Toronto. And if they had done that, we would have clinched it. Um, but I guess Boston messed up a double play in the last inning. Toronto. No, my Red Sox would never win. do that. Yeah. <laughs> so they ended up going on and winning. So we clinched it the next night. So, <clears throat> I mean, it was pressure packed in the sense that there was a lot of attention on it, but it wasn't like it was a crucial game. Um, Cause like I said, we just clinched it the next night. What, what, for, for you, was there more of a, did you notice the difference between triple A to uh, pitching in the majors in terms of the quality of the hitter, the, the parks and uh, lighting and that kind of stuff? Did it, did it make a difference to you from one level to the next? Well, as far as, you know, getting the ball over the plate, no, but as far as, the caliber, huge, <laughs> because the one guy you didn't want to see when you were in AAA coming up with, with guys on base was probably hitting seventh or eighth in, you know, in the lineup in the big leagues. So yeah, that, that, that's the guy you wanted to see at that point. Did so. you, was there any uh, teams that you really pitched well against or, or any uh, stadiums you really liked, enjoy pitching at? Um. It didn't really matter too much. Um, I did like Dodger Stadium. You know, I really liked their mound. Um, I did not like pitching in Denver. The, that was terrible. <laughs> yeah, really? You could tell the difference in terms oh, of... Oh, yeah. Well, you know, when I was playing, we were playing at Mile High. And yep. the ballpark was just huge. Well, because of the way the ball carried there, the outfielders playing deep. So all those little blue hits you know that normally would have been caught were falling just because the outfield was back so far we're speaking with roger mason roger mason played 10 years pitched 10 years in the major leagues with seven teams including the tigers giants astros pirates padres phillies and mets that's a lot of uniforms my friend did you did you did you save any <laughs> uniform tops from from all the and hats from all the teams that you played at um i've got a couple um, you know, we'd, we'd have like special nights, like a roll back the clock night or something like that. And they always let us keep one of those jerseys. Did so. you, do you have the, uh, the ball from your first win or for a ball from your first hit, or did you uh, collect any souvenirs from your, your playing days? Uh, well, I got more from, you know, so I was when, when the pirates were in the playoffs for two of the, you know, two years that I was there. Yep. And then the following year, I was with the Phillies, and then you know you're doing all the autograph balls and you know bats and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, I've got stuff from there. And then of course, my first year when the with the Tigers, you know, we had the team picture and you know my first time ever in the big leagues and everything. And so, you know, being from here from Michigan, I was a big Tiger fan, especially that team. Um, so you know, you're getting your picture signed and stuff like that. So. I've got a little bit, not not a whole lot though. I was I was gonna say, did you um, try to did you collect any autographs, especially you know uh, you know like Al Kaline when you were with the Tigers, or maybe Willie Mays uh, with the Giants, or some of the the greats that the oh, yeah. uh, some of the teams you played with. Yeah, well, when I was with uh, Houston, I got Yogi Berra, and then with um, I got Willie McCovey and Willie Mays with the Giants, and so yeah, a couple. A couple, yeah, not bad. Yeah. <laughs> Were you a collector as a kid? Did you collect cards or? or uh... I didn't. Um, and as a matter of fact, you know, my my dad wanted to watch. You know, my dad was a mechanic and a huge baseball fan, so he's trying to watch the game on Saturday, and you know, I'm trying to get him, you know, to hit fly balls to me or catch or something. So, I'd rather play. 
than I would watch or and I didn't really collect much of that either. Did you collect any of your cards when you were playing? Did you ever go to a store and, and buy a pack of cards trying to get the Roger Mason card? <laughs> no, I didn't. You didn't. No. I, I ask a lot of the guys and no one ever did it. That's the first thing I would have done if I when I if I was playing and I had my card. Well, I remember in the minor leagues, um, I ended up getting a tops contract. It was like okay. for five dollars. So five dollars? Yeah. So I never <laughs> cashed that check. Um, so I that, that was something I wanted to keep. Oh, you still you kept that? Yes. That's that's very nice. What was your? Uh, you had to wait a couple of years before you got your first card. I believe your first card wasn't until 1986, if I do remember. Um, right. What was it like when the first time you saw your your first baseball card? Was that surreal well, for you? Well, I'd seen a couple minor league cards. Yeah. You know, like when I was in Birmingham with the Tigers and stuff. That you know, we had baseball cards there. But you know, that's that's a pretty good thrill. First time you ever see one. Did they, did uh, someone show it to you, or did they the top send you some and? Uh, what just what do you have a favorite card? And you, you were featured on three or four cards. So do you have a, do you have a favorite card from when you were playing? Um, no, not really. I think the Mets cards were were pretty cool, but you know I don't really have any anyone that was a favorite. I had a couple. One day I was coming in off the field. We were in Arizona, and <clears throat> there was a you know I was in spring training, and the, the photographer was there getting shots and stuff. And he goes, "Hey, I need to get your picture." I said, "Well, I just got done running. I was all sweaty and everything." And it was, I just got to get your picture. We won't use it. Well, of course, he used that one. He used it. <laughs> yeah. That's the one your mother's like, why did you do that, Roger? Why did you let him take that one? <laughs> so. That, that's funny. Uh, did you um, did you save anything in terms of um, something? You know, you, you pitched in the 93 World Series. What did you, what did you have uh, special from 93 from the 93 team? Did you save anything? from 93 team well yeah i mean we've got um you know i've got the you know all the you know everybody got a dozen balls you know signed by the team and then we hit we get like uh you know like bats that say you know world series on them and so oh, nice everybody to sign those um but <clears throat> it was in um it was game six and you know which was ended up being the last game and i actually had to win in that game and I was sitting in the in the dugout in the bottom of the ninth and we had a couple run lead and I'm thinking oh my gosh I'm gonna get a World Series win and um, I remember looking over at the scorecard that was in the dugout <clears throat> and I remember thinking I am absolutely getting that when the game is over yep well then it turned out Joe Carter hit the game-winning home run that ended the World Series and it just didn't really seem appropriate at the time I wish I'd had it now but at the time, it just didn't seem like the right thing to do. Was that your toughest loss as a player in terms of, of uh, being part of a, a, a heartbreaking loss like that? Yeah, just because of the magnitude of it. Um, you know, we still had to win one more game if we had hung on and won that one. But, you know, would have been nice to give that one a shot. Well, I, I mean, just because of the magnitude, but the two years prior to that, when we were playing Atlanta, um, we were up three to two going home and they swept us at home. And then well, the following year we were playing Atlanta and then it was game seven and it's a highlight they show all the time, you know, um, Francisco Cabrera getting yep. a base hit and the slowest guy in baseball scores from second base and where we were, we were one out away from going to the world series. 
Oh, you know, know what, Roger? I, I'm a huge Red Sox fan. So I, anytime they put on Bill Buckner in the 86 World yeah. Series, I tr- <laughs> I turn the channel off. I literally turn the channel off. Is that, is that what you do when these, you, you see these highlights come on? You're like, oh, I, I do not want to see this again. Yeah, that one that one was tough. I mean, that one had, you know, because you everybody wants to get in, the, you know, have a chance to play in the World Series, and so many great players never did. And um, you know, when I was with the Pirates, you know, it was kind of like my career was being resurrected when I was with the Pirates, and so, you know, it was an, you know, I was later in my career, and there's an opportunity to finally maybe get there. Um, that Game Seven one was tough. You excelled so much, so well in the playoffs. Uh, you know, you played 91-92 with Pirates, and you played with 93 with the Phillies, and your ERA combined was under uh, 1.0. Um, was did you really did you really kind of notch it up when you when you were in the playoffs, or um, you know what led to you such great success in the playoffs? Um, you know that was just God's blessing. <laughs> you know because. We were looking for some reason, I don't remember why, but I was looking back at uh, Toronto's lineup in 93. And um, I think it was John Olerud hit like 363 for the year. Yeah. They, they had four guys that hit well over 300. Yeah. Almar and, and, uh, and, and Joe Paul Carter Molitor. and Molitor. Well, Joe Carter, I mean, they had Joe Carter, Ricky Henderson, and those guys was, weren't even on that list. McGriff, was McGriff on that team? don't think so okay they all kind of melt together in the 90s yes, they do. i actually played with fred in in san diego but <clears throat> did you play with with scott Rowland? was scott Rowland one of your teammates no okay i know because he just got in the hall of fame i was gonna ask about him yeah, i how, saw that how about i know you played with mcgriff 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 was uh what type of teammate was he he was quiet good really? guy just real quiet though you know you never really heard him say much now you played with you played with Bonds, and I saw a quote that you said Barry probably wouldn't even recognize me now because because even though even though we played two years together, <laughs> uh, I always got along good with Barry. You know, he was you know maybe a little bit different than some of the other guys, but you know his talent was just unbelievable. Um, I always like to ask pitchers about um, hitting. They always want to talk about their hitting. Do you remember your first hit as a as a major leaguer? I don't. Um, I probably should because that may have been the only one, but <laughs> no, I think I think I, I, I think I have you down for four hits. Does that sound right? Oh, okay, uh, it seems high, but <laughs> <laughs> I don't. Um, you know, because when I was with San Francisco and I was a starter, you know, I got to battle a bit more. But I'd come over from the uh, you know from the Tigers. I got traded at the end of spring training, and so I was with AAA <clears throat> um, in Phoenix with the Giants and. You know, we had, I hadn't picked up a bat, you know, in a number of years. And so here I am in the starting rotation. Anytime we played a National League team, you know, pitchers hit. And it seemed like I always picked the hardest throwing guy in the other team. And the ball looked like an aspirin. <laughs> um, so there, there wasn't a whole lot of contact <laughs> that was being made then. Um, I got a little bit better. But the big thing was, you know, knowing how to bump. But then when you're a reliever, if it's a bunt situation, you know, you're not going to the plate anyways. So no, I, I got to ask you about uh, one hit that you, you did not get in uh, Chicago at Wrigley Field. Did you, is it true you got thrown out from right field? Oh, it is. Yeah. <laughs> what, ha- what happened there? Um, you know, I, I actually, I hit a line shot 
Um, and it was a, you know, he was playing pretty shallow and, you know, I wasn't the only guy he ever threw out, but, you know, like, you know, I was just happy that I hit the ball so hard, but <laughs> unfortunately did, went to the wrong place. Did you get fined in kangaroo court for that one? No, no, no. Like I said, I wasn't, the, you know, he threw a lot, a lot of position players too. So who, who threw you out? Was it Andre Dawson? Yes. He, yes, he, it was. He, he had he had had a great arm, and then one other thing I I don't I, I hate bringing up the the these things, but it's so interesting. You I saw that you let up three home runs to start a game against San Diego. Do you do you recall that one? Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yep. Do they hit him off of three different different types of pitches pitches? Yep. And yeah, yeah. Actually, after the game, you know, they're you know the the thing that a lot of people might not realize is we actually won that game. Um, I'm not, and there were, I don't know if there were seven home runs hit in that game, but there were, there were a number of home runs hit. Um, you know, and they were asking me about, you know, they were asking me all the questions after the game and I just told them I was glad I only had three pitches. <laughs> but the worst part, I mean, the, and, but, uh, Steve Garvey was the fourth hitter and he hit a line shot, uh, to center field when he hit the ball. I'm on, oh, not again, but fortunately that one stayed in the park. So that was my first out. Tony Gwynn was one of the guys that hit the home run. Is he one of the the better hit best hitters you you hit uh, pitch against? He was. Um, I Barry Bonds was probably the my least favorite guy to face, um, but Tony Gwynn was probably the best hitter I ever saw. I mean, that and, guy. And he, how, he who was who was the who was the, the the guy that you feared? I know is there a guy you know is there a guy that you know Mike Schmidt or somebody that that just was a was a beast at the plate that you like? Oh, I don't want to face this guy. Well, you know, when you're when you're coming out of the bullpen, it's not like you're facing the same guys all the time. Yeah. You know, because we could go into a series and, you know, a three-game series and I might not pitch. Um, or I could pitch in all three games but not face the same guys. So it wasn't like that I recall that I had a lot of repeat guys that I faced. Was it difficult for you to come back from elbow uh, surgery? Was it, was it that long, long road back for you? No, the, the elbow surgery, um, I was able to come back from pretty good. But, you know, the, what ended my career was a uh, shoulder surgery. Okay. So, yeah, that one didn't happen. We're speaking with Roger Mason. Roger Mason played 10 years in the major leagues with seven teams, including the Detroit Tigers, San Francisco Giants, the Houston Astros, the Pittsburgh Pirates, the San Diego Padres, and the Philadelphia Phillies and the New York Mets. He was traded for three times, which was really cool. Was that a, was that a unique experience for you to get traded uh, each time? And were you, were you surprised or were you, were you happy that someone wanted, wanted your services? Well, the first time I was traded, I was with the Tigers. Um, and actually what happened was I was down in Puerto Rico playing. They'd sent, um, I think four of us down, you know, to get a little bit more experience and stuff. And so yeah. when I was down there, my agent called and said, Hey, you've just been traded. And I was devastated because growing up in Michigan, being a tiger fan, playing for the tigers, you know, I was, I wanted to be there my whole career. Yeah, sure. Um, so that Gary, Lavelle, we were being traded for Gary Lavelle. That, that trade fell through, and um, so I went to spring training with the Tigers, and then with a couple of days left in spring training, they actually worked out another deal, and so I ended up going to San Francisco. When that when it happened the second time, the emotions were already gone. So, um, But the most unusual trade 
that I that I was involved in. I was with San Diego, <clears throat> and we went to um, we we're going on a, a three team road trip right before All Star break, and we had one we'd had a game get rained out, so the second day was a doubleheader, and I believe it was the longest doubleheader in in uh, Major League history, for, National League for sure, because we didn't have a curfew at the time. Sure. And the game ended at 4:41 in the morning, and it was cold and wet and rainy. We had game rain delays, um, but I pitched in both of those games. So because it ended so late, we didn't do batting practice or anything the next day. It was travel day, so it was just like, you know, hey, uh, you know, strap it, strap it on, and let's go. So it was about an hour before the game. I was dressed, I was ready to go, and I got called in the manager's office, and. <clears throat> And which was really unusual. And um, he said, you know, hey, sit down, you've just been traded. So obviously the question, next question is where at? And he said, well, you're going to Philadelphia. <laughs> so I had to go out in the locker room, take out my uniform, pack my stuff up, say goodbye to all my friends, walk down the hallway, put their uniform on. And now I'm playing against the guys that I just was had been with, you know. Yeah, that must have been hard. That was weird. That was that was a tough one. But in that walk, I gained about 20 games in the standings. And yeah. the first place <laughs> really team. Did. So um, so that part of it all worked out good. Was but, uh, Candlestick Park as bad a, a park in terms of the weather and the wind? Is it was it a difficult park to to play in? Well, my first my first time up, I, I just I was a September call up in September in San Francisco is gorgeous. And I'd seen all the commercials, <clears throat> you know, about how bad San Francisco was back in the day. And I'm like, this is awesome. Well, then I was there the following April, and I'm going, this is terrible. In July, we're wearing winter jackets. Yep. And one of the pitchers had told me before, you know, just just keep an eye on the garbage and see which fence it was up against, and that's the way the wind is blowing. But I remember one day I was standing out on the mound, and um, the the fog was coming in over the stands. It was like a waterfall. <laughs> you don't really see that too many other places, but yeah. yeah, San Francisco, I mean, it was, that was a challenge, but hitters didn't like it too. So that, that always helped. I, I like pitching in places where hitters didn't like it. So you, yeah, you pitched in the Astrodome. Was it different to pitch inside than, than uh, as opposed to pitching outside or it didn't really matter to you? Yeah. Yeah. It was different. Um, but I really didn't pitch in too many dome stadiums. So, you know, we Did had... Toronto and, and uh, the Astrodome. Was there was there a, a home park that you pitched in that you felt you got a home field advantage, uh, you know, in Philly or uh, Pittsburgh uh, back in the day? Were there any uh, home stadiums what? that really thought, thought you got a home field advantage uh, pitching again? With I think San Francisco park? was probably Francisco? the biggest just because, you know, we were there all the time and we were used to it. You know, but guys coming in, you know, especially like in the, when you're expecting the weather to be warm and my mom and dad came out and my wife kept telling dad, it's like, make sure you wear a heavy coat to the game because you know, where we were staying at, it was really nice out. But yep. then by the time you got to the game, you know, then the game started, it was, it turned cold. And yeah. Was, San Francisco was, is just yeah. weird, isn't it? It's the, I, I, I used to go to San Francisco every July and the first time I went, I just packed shorts, not realizing it was going to be, Six fifty degrees or forty degrees. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I learned awful quick. San Francisco is just a weird place. We actually love San Francisco, because um, it, it no, there's no other place like it. 
Um, you know, it was so unique. I, I'm just really heartbroken to see what's happening to the city now. Um, you know, it's just, it's just sad. Yeah, I, I know. Loved, I loved it out there. It was, I mean, you played in some great cities. San, uh, San Diego is a great city. Yeah. Uh, Philadelphia with all the great restaurants was a great city. You were in New York with all those great restaurants. So you played in some great places. Yeah, I absolutely did. I mean, like I said, we was, I, if I had had my choice, I would have stayed with every team that I was with. Um, you know, but you know, the flip side of that was we got to see a lot of places. Yeah. It's so, really cool. Now um, you sign autographs through the mail. Do you get a lot of requests through the mail for, for your autograph? Uh, yeah, actually um, almost every day, which it, it still surprises me, you know, so there's, because <clears throat> you know, like every spring, you know, living here in Detroit, there's a, a guy that, is associated with the Tigers. I go down to a card show every spring and I asked him a couple of years ago, why do people want my autograph? You know, I mean, it's been 30 years since I played and everything. And he goes, because you're part of the 84 team. I said, well, yep. okay. But yeah, and part yeah. of the 93 Phillies, you played for the Mets, people collect teams and you. Yeah. I know. A... It, it, like I said, it, I'm, I'm still surprised, but I, but I get them almost every day. I can't imagine what, you know, guys that had actual recognizable names, what, what their mailbox is like. You know, you, you signed a card for me, two cards for me, actually. I really appreciate it. And you, uh, you always sign a Bible verse. What, what's, what's the Bible verse? I, I'm not really uh, tied into that. What, 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 what is the meaning behind that? And why do you, why do you add that to your signature? Well, it's, it's Acts 412. And I became a Christian. I grew up in the church, but I didn't really you know, if somebody asked me, are you Christian? I probably would have said yes until I really realized what it meant. Um, so it was my second spring training with the Tigers um, where I actually accepted the Lord. And um, because I wanted to be known more as a Christian than a baseball player, but, you know, because I had the two combined, um, the, it's Acts 412 and it says salvation is found in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. So, you know, if I only had one Bible verse to put down, it was, I wanted something that would actually, you know, be a doorway to lead people to look to Jesus. Thank you. I really appreciate that. Thank you for, for shedding some light on that. Um, you, you know, you you played with so many teams and, and had such a colorful, colorful career. Do you think you're gonna, you'd ever write a book about your your playing days? <laughs> now somebody asked me that one time we actually happened to be in a bookstore and um he said you ought to write a book and i said there's no way i'm writing a book and he said why and i said come here so i took him up to the front and there's the the, the discount books the books that are half off i said i don't want my life in a in a bin that that's half off <laughs> plus i think it'd be, i think it'd be boring so so, I don't know. You, I mean, you played with so many great players, and I'm sure you have some some stories to uh, to share. Do you, do you have a do you have a funny story that that you might not have shared before? You know, either a practical joke that that you play that you guys played on somebody, or something that's really funny that happened, or an anecdote that you could share uh, that that that's kind of PG rated. Well, I know that when we were in um, when I was with New York, you know, and you know when I was with the Dodgers. Um, I didn't understand the relationship between the Dodgers and the Giants until I got there. And I, you know, when I was growing up, I, I liked, you know, if the Dodgers were winning, I was a Dodger fan and stuff like that. Then I got to San Francisco and it's like, I don't like the Dodgers anymore. 
you know, but sure. I didn't realize. So when I was in New York, um, I didn't know there was this thing with Jay Leno in, in the, in the Mets. And so he came into the clubhouse one day and uh, I guess he's always, you know, just really bragging on the Mets. And so they, they did this thing with him. It's called a three-man lift. I don't know if you ever heard of the three-man lift. No. Okay. So what happens is usually you do it in spring training. You have some rookie there and um, you start telling about this guy. It's like, Hey, you know, um, like John Franco, you know, who's a, you know, a reliever short. He was, a, you know, but John wasn't a very big guy. And said, so John has this technique. He can lift three guys at one time. It's like, there's no way. So what you do is you get the guy, you put him down, you get him in the, you know, you put him in the middle of two other guys and then you kind of lock him in. And in the meantime, somebody's making up this concoction of just really kind of foul stuff. <laughs> and then, they, you know, they say like, you know, okay, are you ready to go? And then they come over the top and they dump all this stuff on him. <laughs> so um, Jay, Jay Leno was part of the three-man lift. <laughs> nice. <laughs> but I think he kind of knew something was coming because, you know, they were, they were, you know, it was all in fun and stuff like that. Yeah, he was and, a good um, sport about the whole thing. He was, you know, but they said, hey, you might want to take off your boots. So, <laughs> Roger Mason, thank you for your time. Roger Mason played 10 years in the major leagues with seven teams, including the Tigers, Giants, Astros, Pirates, San Diego Padres, the Philadelphia Phillies, and the New York Mets. He won a World Series with the Tigers in 84 as a September call-up. He did not get a ring, right, Roger? What happened with, that, with that one? Well, um, it, it was the Tigers. You know, at the time, you know, Detroit was always – kind of a cheap organization back in the day. Um, and then there were six of us that got called up. When the, the players voted us, you know, we, we all split one share. We all got a sixth of, a, of the World Series share. Okay. Um, but the Tigers just chose not to give us a ring for, I'm assuming for cost. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but I mean, every other team, I, you know, you know, people in the front office get rings, everybody gets rings. And you know, we all, we all played quite a bit. You know, I pitched in five games, had a win and a save, and um, that was just what they chose. Now, with the Phillies, did you get a ring in 93 when you went to the World Series? Yes. And yep. uh, with the Pirates, when you won the National League Championships, did you get rings? No, we didn't get that. You get a ring for, for getting to the World Series okay. because you're, you're the AL champ or the NL champ. Got you. So. Well, again, Roger Mason played 10 years in the major leagues. Thank you for your time. Roger is a great signer through the mail, guys. Uh, send him a note. Let him, know, let him know what you thought of his career. And, uh, you know, he loves signing cards. Right, Roger? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> I want to th thank you for being a, a supporter of signing autographs of the mail. Have there have you ever gotten anything uh, kind of weird out of, the, out of the blue? I know you get a lot of cards, but have you gotten any kind of cool pictures that you never saw before or uniforms or anything that you like? How did, how did they find that? Well, you know, the one thing that I the one reason I, I really enjoy the card shows is because people come up with stuff that is so cool. Yep. Um, you know, some, some, you know, somebody has the, the pitching rubber or the home plate from Tiger Stadium. And, you know, that's where you get to see a lot of really cool stuff. Obviously, in the mail, they can't really do much. Yep. Do you do many card shows? No. Um, occasionally, Philly, I haven't went, done a Philly one in a while. Um, but usually with the Tigers every spring. 
Good, pretty good. Well, again, Roger, thank you so much for your time. It was a pleasure learning a little more about your career, a little about some of the, the cool stuff you have. Um, and, uh, you know, it's it's great to just talk baseball on a nice cold winter day, you know? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Thanks right. a lot, Jeff. Thank you, Roger. I'll talk to you later. Bye. All right. Bye. Well, Drew, that wraps up our, our TTMcast 101. I really enjoy um, the midweek. I, I, I like doing a midweek show with you because – uh, it gives us a chance to kind of refresh what went on in the weekend and, and and some of the stuff that we talked about on our Saturday show is usually you know, times sometimes four, five, six days old. But now we're talking and it's only a day or two old. So I like I, I do enjoy uh, the midweek show. How about you? Yeah, definitely get stuff out there to people a little bit quicker and all that. It helps. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it helps shorten, of course, the Saturday show a bit there instead of having those three hour marathons. We're down to, you know, two hours, maybe an hour and a half. So. I'm sure it helps the listeners out there quite a bit too. They can break up the week a little bit easier. So yeah, I definitely like this. Guys, we're always looking for guests, especially for our collector's corner. So if you're interested in being a guest on the show, all you have to do is send us an email to ttmcast at yahoo.com. That's right. Send us an email if you want to be a guest on the show, if you have any suggestions, if you have uh, questions for Les or Clemente uh, or Drew, Drew, Drew's always answering questions as well. So we'd love to hear from you. But uh, if you want to, please, we'd love to send us an email. Send it to ttmcast at yahoo.com. All right, guys, I am headed down to Florida for four or five days. I'm going to spring training. I'm going to spend a couple of days at the Red Sox spring training. I think a, a day at the Twins spring training. I got my cards ready. I got a couple of balls. I got a couple of pictures. So hopefully I will get some autographs. I want you to wish me luck, Drew. Wish me luck. You know, hey, good luck with that. And I'm not you, as good as you. I'm not as good as you in person. I I wish yeah. I had you to 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 tag along and, and just have, have your coattails. But I'm gonna I'll give it a try. We'll see how it goes. I went last year. It was actually pretty good. So there will be no TTM cast on Saturday. All right, guys. No TTM cast show on Saturday. We will have a show at TTM cast one on one next week. And I spoke with Swen Nader. Swen Nader played for UCLA two seasons. He won a, a national championship. Two seasons at UCLA. He played in the ABA. He was the 1974 ABA Rookie of the Year. Also, he is the only guy, and this is a record that won't be broken, that he's the only guy that led the ABA and NBA in rebounds. That wow. will, that will never be broken. So he was a, a pretty good player in his day. He played played for a bunch of teams. And we're going to talk to Sven about um, playing in the ABA, about signing autographs. He's a huge uh, proponent of signing autographs through the mail. Do you have his autograph yet, Drew? I don't, but I think that I'm going to have to make a change to that. Yeah, he's very good. So pick up, a, if you don't have one of his cards, pick it up and send it off because he's a great signer. He's really interesting. So that will be next Wednesday, guys. No show next Saturday. We will have a show next Wednesday and we'll be back to our regular schedule of the, that week, the following week. So uh, that is it, Drew. I don't think anything else. You got anything else to talk about before we go? Not think I'm pretty well covered on all of everything there. All right, pal, hopefully you got your, your wife something nice for Valentine's Day. want to extend a, a nice uh, Valentine's Day uh, wishes to my kids and my wife. Uh, and I want to thank her for taking me to Florida. That's my Valentine's Day present. Not a, not a bad present, right? Definitely. <laughs> so, guys, we will uh, see you next week. Wishing everyone many happy returns. Be good.